This is Real Estate Rookie episode 205. Honestly, when I write copy for any of the places that we have, when I talk about meeting baby octopus when you're out uh, snorkeling or, you know, going for a walk along the beach and having a bunch of wild horses run past you, those things, when I'm making copy for them, you know, they make me tear up. And I'm hoping that any guests that I invite into these houses have the same situations. You know, there's just so many so many ways to design a vacation that's not about doing the same thing as you do at home on a beach. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I'm here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the stories, the motivation, the inspiration, the education you need to kickstart your real estate investing journey. Ashley Kerr, my lovely co-host, let's get into some some boring banter before we bring on today's amazing guests. So uh, you were you were supposed to be in uh, in Coeur d'Alene this weekend, and then I see some videos. You're like out on a boat, which is not in Coeur d'Alene. So what what, what happened? What was going on? Yeah, going on a boat was like two hours of my whole weekend. <laughs> it was, yeah. There was way more, way more not fun things that happened when I was supposed to be on vacation. So yeah. Me and the children were supposed to go out to Coeur d'Alene and watch my good friends, uh, Brandon Turner, Nate Robbins, and Brian Murray compete in a triathlon. And so we were supposed to leave Friday. My one son got sick right before we were supposed to go to the airport. So we're like, okay, let's see what's going on. And he ended up being fine. So I rebooked our tickets for Sunday morning. We get to the airport at 4 a.m. and we're about to go through security. I start to pull up our tickets and I had done their reservation separate because I used points for their tickets and paid for mine. So I get mine pulled up and I go to look for their reservation and I'm like, wait, why does it show that I have all my points still? Uh, Where are their tickets? I must have never hit confirm or process or whatever that last button is when you are checking out for your airline ticket because they did not have tickets. So I go to book and they are completely sold out. So um, I had like that mindset. Okay, here, this is what will happen. You know what? Any problem, most problems can be solved with money. I'll throw some money at it. I was perfectly prepared to pay $600 each for their tickets just to get them there. And there wasn't even any tickets available. So I was like, oh, you know what, kids? Okay, I was so sorry. And my son, my six-year-old, he was just like, it's okay, mom. It's good thing you didn't mess up our tickets from Crasherama last weekend. This like <laughs> demolition derby race we went to. That's all he cared about was that we at least got to go to that. So they were great sports. I was the one that was really upset. So at that point, I was only supposed to stay till Wednesday. So waiting to fly till Monday and there was no other great flights to get out there. Um, we were already going to be there for such a short time anyways. So yeah. Came back home, went on the boat, and I've actually been working on some rehab at my one property. I It's a little A-frame cabin in the woods, and I decided to fire my contractors two weeks ago. And sometimes in my life, I get to this point where I get very impatient, and I'm just like, you know what? We haven't got new contractors in there. I'm just going in and do it. My schedule has been cleared because I was supposed to be on vacation, and so I just went and <laughs> I started doing the rehab in there. I started doing the primer and everything. And then, of course, you know, once I start working in there, you know, Daryl feels bad that he's not working in there. So he came in last night. We tiled the shower and all this stuff. And so today we finally got contractors uh, in there and they're doing the flooring right now. But 
Just like every time I'm in there, I'm finding something that our original contractors did wrong. And so I had a little meltdown in my car today, just like thinking about it. I was like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. Why didn't I listen to my gut when they would tell me something that would be like, no, I know that's not right. And didn't stand up for myself. So, so many lessons learned on this uh, A-frame. So we'll have to do a, a rookie reply a on reply, it. Reply for sure. Yeah. Well, let me ask this one question. How did you find those contractors? Like were, were they, had you worked with them before? Were they a referral? Or like how, how did you guys connect? Yeah, they were actually a referral from two different people. Um, and right away there was red flags, but I was, I was too preoccupied in the fact that they could start when we wanted somebody to start. Um, and that they were referrals. Um, so that was kind of what I was really hung up on. And I didn't see the other red flags. Like this is almost embarrassing to say, because I know that I never should have agreed to this This is something I knew I should have to pay them hourly, to pay that hourly wage instead of doing what I usually do and do a scope of work. And they give me a price for the labor of it. Um, so that right there is like the biggest mistake that I made was that it was hourly and, you know, I, it, it, they didn't do a, not everything was done wrong. <laughs> there were some things that were done good and like good ideas they had and stuff, but, um, yeah, just a lot of lessons learned money spent and it's only a matter of time, right? It, like as a real estate investor, it's not a matter of if you have to fire a contractor, it's just when, and, and maybe how many times I feel like everyone, you know, every real estate investor I've known has, has had to fire at least one contractor. And I think like part of my meltdown today was just uh, like, I did this to myself. Like I didn't listen to my gut. I didn't stand by my operating procedures of don't do hourly and like other things too. Um, that I didn't stand by that I usually would with a contractor. So if you guys want a great visual, just picture me in my new car, fully reclined, some like sappy 70s love song playing and tears are streaming down my face with my sunglasses on, my hands on my legs telling Daryl, get out of the car. I just need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a nice visual for you guys. Yeah, we all got the visual. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure our Ricky audience appreciates the transparency, right? <laughs> like we're even though we're even though we're podcasters, like we still have like all the same struggles that every other real estate investor has too. Yeah. And, you know, like I, I had to fire a contractor on one of our recent rehabs as well. Like earlier this year, I fired a contractor after he finished the the finished the job. Like we had his last payment. I just almost like, like like dude, I'm not paying you. I was like, you're probably like one of the worst contractors I've ever worked with. Like I did ninety percent of your job for you. Like I'm I'm not paying you. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. Um, I haven't had to fire new contractors recently, which is good. Um, you know, we're just still super busy. You know, we've got uh, a few properties that we're, we're, uh, we're taking live here shortly. Um, we're actually dealing with some policy changes in Joshua Tree. So we're, we're trying to navigate our, our, our ways around that. Maybe we'll do a reply on that too. But as far as like, um, like the county or the town as for short-term rental policies you're talking about? Yeah, so the county that uh, Josh Tree is located in, they recently passed some new ordinances around um, how many short-term rental permits one person can have. Oh, and wow. um, if you had more than that limit beforehand, you get grandfathered in, but um, like moving forward, they're talking about putting in a cap. So we're, we're just trying to you know make sure we have the right information and, and we can kind of game plan on how we move forward. So, right, yeah. Um, always a joy, always a joy. What, what do you think about going into, I think it was Avery Carl when we had her, her on, she talked about how she likes markets where there are strict 
ordinances because you already know what they are instead of like waiting to change. What is your opinion on that? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, right? I, I think some of the places that are that are like so new that they haven't figured out what their short-term rental permits are yet, those are the dangerous places. Yeah. Like we were like, you know, I, I use this example a lot recently, but like um, Atlanta, they just recently made a bunch of big changes to their short-term rental per- permits and something like 4,000 listings were, were like out of compliance. Um, Ithaca, New York, um, you know, in your state, right? Like they, uh, they recently passed some ordinances earlier this year in April that said, if you don't have a lakefront property, you can only rent your short-term rental out for 29 days out of the year. Wow. And before there was no cap, right? So I, tr- I try and go to places that already have it figured out because I, I, you know, my entire financial livelihood is based on my ability to rent out these properties. So I need to make sure that I'm in places that I know are going to allow me to legally operate. Yeah. That's, um, that's like one thing that, I mean, my properties are in very, very rural areas. There's, I mean, you probably go to the code enforcement officer, short term rental. Why would you do that here? This isn't a vacation (laughs) destination. (laughs) So, I mean, that's just like something that I've, I'm at risk at is if there ever were something that was put into the ordinances of these small rural towns that, um, that, that something could come up, but, um, And I think that's a good position to be in. So like the one that I have operating now, all the rest are in rehab, but the one operating now is actually the, my arbitrage, my short-term rental arbitrage. So that one, if for some reason, like, okay, no more, you can't do it anymore. That's where I go to the owner and say, okay, you know, we have to figure, you know, I have to get out of my lease, um, which it's month to month anyways. So um, and we have a great relationship. That's the only reason I'm doing the arbitrage. And so I think that's like a, my safety net there is like, okay, worst case scenario, they say no more. I terminate the lease and I put a long-term tenant in there for him. So, well, that, that kind of brings us to today's guest, yeah. right? Like she, she had some really cool stuff going on in the short-term rental space. So today we had Kelly Cronin, uh, on the show and Kelly, like just first and foremost, she was like a super poised, uh, and, and just like an amazing speaker. Like I was hanging on every word as she was kind of telling her stories and she, she, her, her day job is in veterinary medicine. But if you, if you didn't know any better, I would think she was like a marketer or a copywriter the way that she like sold me and Ashley on her property. So <laughs> she, she just has an amazing backstory. Yeah, I'm going to have to find, she gives us uh, her website, Cronin's Castles, where her listings are. She's doing direct booking and I'm going to have to go in there and like copy and paste her paragraphs and just change out where it says like, you know, white sandy Puerto beaches Rico. to ashy fire pit or something like that. <laughs> you know, do like, what's that, uh, the ad libs thing where you'd fill yeah, in like yeah. the verb or the noun. Yeah. Different word. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Kelly is super interesting uh, story. She saved 50% um, of her income to be able to start investing in real estate and she has properties in very random locations and she talks about why. And I think my favorite part of this is right in the beginning, she opens up about how she actually found these markets, the steps that she took. And, you know, I mean, you can go across the whole country and it's like, where do you even begin to start analyzing a market? So she went through her thought process when she found the markets that she did. Um, and also, before we bring her on, just so you guys know, me and her do talk about our beavers. So make sure you listen to that part as to what is happening and what is going on, what nuisance we both have. <laughs> Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? 
Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent. T-O, retirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal Do Not Call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Kelly, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast. We are so excited to have you on. Before we dive into your story, just give us a little bit of like the, the backstory about who you are, how you got started in real estate investing. So I'm Kelly Cronin, and I got started in real estate investing by falling into it. We couldn't sell a house uh, that was just a random house out in the middle of nowhere on actually Indian-owned land and found out that renting it was the way to go. And that catapulted into loving, loving real estate. And um, we've just found individual properties that are incredible and interesting and places that we want to be. So Kelly, you say we, do you have a, a partner who are you doing this, this real estate investing with? 
Yes, I have a partner who is 11 years old. Her name is Izzy Cronin. She is my daughter and an amazing human being. And um, we've now roped in my significant other as well. And so he's he's joined in full-fledged. He actually went from full-time to part-time so that he could start renovating some of the properties because getting a con contractor off-grid is one of the hardest things that you'll ever do in the entire world. And I know you're feeling me, Ashley, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, before we even hopped in the show, I started crying about a contractor issue today. So that's why my eyes are all bloodshot and watery. But um, I promise you're beautiful. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, before we move on, um, just give us a little snapshot of what your portfolio looks like today. So currently we have one rental that's up and running, short-term rental on Vieques Island uh, in Puerto Rico, and that's the Vieques Sea House. And we're really loving that one. It was just a, a dream purchase and, and kind of an interesting property. We have another one that we're actually running up to on the 9th of July to do some rehab, a very off-grid dome house up in Alaska, Kisilof, Alaska. And then we have a tiny house that we're currently working through some issues because apparently 200 square feet does not even constitute a house in the eyes of Utah. So that's fun. Uh, also, it was built on a lot line and all of that was not disclosed. So lots of entertaining things there. And then we just bought 80 acres in Ladysmith, Wisconsin. And so we're currently prepping that to have... Uh, just a bevy of different places to stay, some glamping experiences. We've got bell tents under underway, and we've got um, some vintage trailers that we've identified. And we have a school bus, a mid-sized school bus that we've been renovating that's going to actually go on that land as well to be able to rent. So, Kelly, I just want to recap what I'm hearing right now, okay? So you, you've got one in Puerto Rico. Yes. Uh, you said an off-the-grid dome. And where was that? What, what, what location was that in? Vila, Alaska. In Alaska, okay. Then you've got a tiny house in Utah. You've got eight hundred or eighty acres in Lady Smith. What was the what was the state? Lady Smith, what? Wisconsin. Lady Smith, Wisconsin. And then you, you've got this cool school bus you're working on. Okay, so my mind's spinning right now. Okay, so first thing I want to say is that the the strategy that you're taking with uh, like the off the grid dome, the 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 school bus, the the tiny houses. That is exactly what platforms like Airbnb and Verbo want to see right now. Um, so for those of you that are listening, like Airbnb recently announced that they're giving away, I don't know, I think it's like $10 million in total, but like each person can get up to $100,000 to build these unique experiences for guests to stay in. And the reason they're doing that is because what really separates Airbnb from a traditional hotel is that I can't go to Marriott and get a, a school bus. Or I can't go to, to Hilton and get a, a treehouse. So they know that that's like the, the competitive advantage that they have and they're pushing that. So when, when people ask me about like, hey, Tony, like how, how are you dealing with uh, saturation or, or competition or X, Y, and Z? And it's about building better experiences than the competition is doing in that same market. And I think you've nailed that, right? Like just what you've rattled off so far has been really, really cool. So anyway, all that to say, two, two questions for you. First... How did you land in so many different markets? Because I, I think that's a big question that people have when they get started is, is like, hey, what market should I invest in? And second, what led you to these more unique experiences over the traditional types of properties? Great questions. So first and foremost, how I landed in the markets is I approach it a little bit differently than other people. I come from veterinary medicine and, and anyone who comes from veterinary medicine knows that for the vast majority of the time that we're in veterinary medicine, we just don't make a lot of money. So as a 
licensed veterinary technician and veterinary technician specialist in emergency and critical care, just not made a ton. And I've always saved about 50% of that income. So my entire life savings to invest in these properties has been about $110,000. And um, what I'll say is that I did a lot of research into what I could get within that that would give me the most um, wide range of properties that I could lean on because I just didn't want a situation where I put all my bags, eggs in one basket and then unfortunately found out that, you know, that something changed and I couldn't rent it or that there was a problem with it or that a hurricane came through and, um, and damaged the house or something along those lines. And so with that, what I did was actually go through Zillow and, um, and realtor.com and just set my settings to a certain amount. In my case, it was $50,000 and looked for the most interesting vacation rental possibilities that I could possibly find for that amount of money. And then really did my research in terms of air DNA and in terms of overall rentability and, you know, how much, um, how much I could get done on those properties for the least amount of money to try and make my money stretch as far as I possibly could. And it's led to some really, really interesting finds and it's led to some interesting ways of stretching that money even farther in terms of doing owner financing and in terms of doing land contract deals and things like that. So really thinking outside the box to try and give myself as best a platform as I possibly could. And then choosing places that I would want to go so that I could really invest 100% of, um, you know, of what I say about those places. And honestly, when I write copy for any of the places that we have, when I talk about meeting baby octopus when you're out uh, snorkeling or, you know, going for a walk along the beach and having a bunch of wild horses run past you or going for a dog sled to your house um, or laying in bed and watching the northern lights from your 360 degree windows, those things, when I'm making copy for them, you know, they make me tear up. And I'm hoping that any guests that I invite into these houses have the same situations. I get goosebumps just thinking about the fact that, no, there's no TV in our Vieques house and we have no intent on putting one. And you know what? Like, this is your excuse to turn it off, walk outside, sit on your porch and eat a papaya with our iguana. You know, there's just so many so many ways to design a vacation that's not about doing the same thing as you do at home on a beach. Kelly, I know you're busy doing a podcast recording right now, but could you uh, send us the links? Because I think you sold us to come and stay. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope everyone gets that experience. It's just so fun. I'm not even sure where Vieques is, but I'm down. Like wherever it's at, I'm booking the ticket. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, it was it was Alaska for me, the, the dome and looking <laughs> up at the 360 degree view. So um, you did a great job of just explaining, you know, things that you look for when you tried to find a market market and area talking about, okay, your price point, $50,000 or less, um, the rent to price ratio, you know, was there, um, value in doing a short-term rental in that market? And then also choosing places that you would actually want to travel to and go to. Um, the one thing I want to dig into more is how did you actually start? Like, what was the first thing? Was it going to Zillow and setting that 50,000 and just having the whole, country blown up and then kind of going like, oh, you know what? Alaska sounds cool. Then zooming, zooming, zooming and moving around. How did that kind of work? Well, so we started, I think most by, we had that house in New Mexico and 
it's almost impossible to sell a house on land contract. It means that the person who owns that house actually contracts the land from someone else. It generally happens on reservations. And so when you do that, you know, you're contracting that land from the Indians. And it's very, very difficult to actually, um, you know, explain that to other people that, hey, the Native Americans have provided these land contracts. It's perfectly legal. It's perfectly safe. And so it was really difficult to sell that house. And we really struck gold being able to rent it while we were, um, you know, trying to still figure out how to get that sold. And so that led to thinking, gosh, this is a really good way of kind of setting up our lives and and making sure that we're really um, doing as much as we possibly can to create a, a retirement and to certainly create create some security. And so when I got to Wisconsin, we actually found. Um, a foreclosure house, a 5,000 square foot historical home foreclosure house that was listed for about half of what it's worth today. Um, and we were able to buy that and do some renovations and actually create a, another rental space that actually houses a long-term rental. And so those got me really thinking and going. When Izzy and I, my daughter and I, took a trip to Puerto Rico, you know, we do this, uh, the less you plan is more you live type of vacation. And so we had no hotels or anything booked. We booked the hotel in the taxi on the way to get our car. And um, we were staying on a beach in Condado and we met just the the best family you've ever met in your entire life. She had a blast with a 10 year old and they said, gosh, it's really too bad that we're going to Vieques tomorrow. Otherwise the kids could stay and play. And I said, well, we don't have any hotels. I don't know where Vieques is, but it sounds great. And so we hopped a taxi, we went down to Vieques, we um, hopped the ferry for $2, went over to this amazing island where the horses outnumber the people. So 9,000 horses, 4,000 people, the beaches are empty and beautiful and clean and pristine and the water is the bluest you've ever seen in your entire lifetime. And we fell in love. And then we started walking around and started seeing Savende signs. And I, I had to have someone translate, but that means for sale. And when I thought about it, gosh, could you imagine owning a place in some place this pristine, this amazing, this immaculate? And then I started looking and they're not that unaffordable. So our house, um, we were able to get the Vieques Sea House for 75000 uh, 73000 um, but it was half on owner financing. And so we were able to to get just a super, super cute two-bedroom uh, two partially off-grid little round island house. It survived more than one hurricane and is pretty amazing, comes with a pretty good size yard and fantastic neighbors and uh, do it all for something that I could afford, which is amazing to me. I need to know what are the differences of buying um, something in Puerto Rico besides the U.S.? Is there a ton of different differences between the sales transaction? Yeah, there is. One of the biggest differences is that you cannot use a U.S. lender for most Puerto Rican properties. Um, obviously, if it's not attached to the real estate, it's a little bit easier. The other thing to think about is that in a lot of places in Puerto Rico, the titles are not clean. So, for example, the, the title for the Viagasi House, you know, I'll have to have that for a couple more years before I can apply for a full title there. There is... <clears throat> There's involvement of attorneys, there are real estate bonds, there are different hoops that you kind of have to step through in order to get real estate purchased in Puerto Rico. 
But what I'll say is that everything that's harder in Puerto Rico because of, you know, the multitudes of red tape that you step through, you know, every time you step onto a beach where you're the only person and the waves are beautiful and the sea is calm is worth it. Did you hire somebody to help you through this process or did you just do research as to what it was like? If you find a good realtor, um, which I will say, you know, they're they're not super easy to come by in the States. They're pretty hard to come by in Puerto Rico. You can definitely get one that will walk you through the process. Um, what I'll say is that, <clears throat> you know, uh, Gustavo, if you're listening, shout out to you, man. You are the best realtor on the on the island for Vieques. So definitely, definitely find a good realtor. Find one that's responsive, one that, you know, doesn't work on island time. <laughs> I can already see the look in Tony's eye. He's already got a property picked out on Zillow. I, I literally have the map open in Zillow for Vieques right now. So I'm, I'm trying to see what's, what's going on out there. So. It's hard to get to, but amazing to be at. So Kelly, I mean, my, my mind's spinning with like a, a million different questions. First, like you, you said something that I, I thought was like really impactful. You said the less you, the less you plan, the more you live. And that is like, uh, that, you know, uh, that reminds me of you a lot, actually, right? Because your, your whole thing is, is trying to create spontaneity in your life. And I'm more of like a planner, like we're, we're going on a trip to, to Europe in a little bit. And I, you know, like I'm trying to balance between like having every minute of every day schedule versus having some, some free time. Yes. But I love the idea of, of, you know, like, would you have ever found this opportunity had your, your schedule been so regimented and, and that level of spontaneity wasn't there? So I, I wanted to highlight that first. But going back to, to like the buying process in, in Puerto Rico, like a, a couple of questions I want to I want to dig down into. First, from from start to finish, what was the total time? Like, is you know, is it a typical 30 day escrow or is it, you know, is it like a New York escrow where it's like, you know, it could be like two years before you close in the property? You ready for mind blown? I had it yeah. just before I saw it, and then I signed the paperwork within one week of having gotten there. No way. Oh. We had a three-day window in order to get it done. I had three days on island in my one week of vacation. What? And I almost didn't make it because the ferry was full. And so I had to convince a nice, nice gentleman at the window of the ferry office to pretty please let us get over to see our house. And then I will tell you the next step was finding our um, Airbnb, which was not easy. By the way, folks, if you have an Airbnb on an island off an island with no street names, pretty please, pretty please do a Google pin. And then <laughs> finding that place, actually, it always works out because finding that place actually helped find my contractors and introduced me to some people on the island that you know I couldn't have gotten here without. And then um, the next step was actually finding our way from our Airbnb to the house, which involved multiple hills and actually led us to nowhere near the house. And our realtor had to come pick us up from God knows where and take us to the house for the closing. So it's, um, you know, it's it's not worth it, but anything or it's not it's not really easy. It's definitely difficult to do, but anything worth doing is hard, right? So let me let me ask a follow up question. So it, it sounds like this was it's kind of like on the fly decision. Like, like, did you do any research on Vieques specifically as a short term rental market before you tied this property up? And if so, what did that look like? Yeah, I did. So I am 
I'm the queen of spontaneity for a lot of things, but I'm also one of those people who uh, analysis paralysis on the backside. So try and find that mix is, is tough for me. So I generally make big rash decisions and then validate them um, on the backside, which is my favorite method of operation. So my validation was going through looking at all of the rentals in the area, um, looking at AirDNA to actually find out what their occupancy rate was, what their high season, their low season was, making sure that I could hit my marks in terms of my daily rental rate and things like that. And then really reaching out to some folks on island to make sure that I was validating with correct numbers for utilities and water and some of those things, because you never quite know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you've talked a little bit already about like, you know, networking with the folks in the island and your, your realtor playing a big role. Now that you're, you're, you're back here in the States, what has your process been for remotely managing? And honestly, I guess this goes to, to all of your properties because you've got stuff pretty much all over the, all over the, you know, everywhere. <laughs> uh, so like, what has your process been for building your teams and, and remotely managing these properties? So I think the biggest thing is that networking is key. You never know who you need until you need them. And to be entirely honest with you, one of the, the fastest ways to network is to make sure that you entrench yourself with the local, the local folks to that, um, to that property. And also just reaching out to your own network. You have no idea who you know until you reach out and find out that you know someone there. And so, for example, Alaska is a, a really good example. I started looking at the dome house and I had lived in Alaska for about three years. And so I knew some folks that way. And I knew some some people in the veterinary community. And uh, I really, really fell into you know quite the best situation. Uh, when I was looking at it, I just made mention on Facebook, hey, I'm looking at this place in Alaska. And then about two, three hours later, I got a video back of the place. Someone had wa walked out there, walked the entire property, took a video for me and said, you know, you really need to think about this. Well, you know, lever to pieces. I met her at a conference. We've met exactly once in person. However, here is this amazing human being who went and checked out an hour away, no less, a property for me so that I could purchase it and feel good about it. And it's all about having networks, you know, and, and having met her. And what really worked out well is that after the facts, you know, I needed to winterize the property. There was just no way that my busy work schedule is going to allow me to go up there and winterize the property. Well, her husband is a construction uh, manager. And so he was able to winterize the property, make sure that everything's okay, put a keypad lock on the door, make sure that, um, you know, that we were situated. And so we have really just fallen into some of the most amazing connections by making sure that we treat everyone as well as we possibly can and making sure that we network and making sure that we tell everyone what we're doing. And, uh, and that's worked out. Same thing has happened in, uh, in our Utah property. We have a technician in Salt Lake city who, you know, has, has done a lot to make sure that, um, that the property is still standing and that life is easy. <laughs> Kelly, um, it's, Talking about networking, building your team, how I want to talk a little bit about networking, I guess, per se, with the seller of that Puerto Rico property. How did you negotiate seller financing with them? So the big thing that I would say for seller financing uh, or owner financing, I should say, is you're never going to find it. It's not listed. And if it is listed, be wary of what that deal looks like. Because a lot of times when owner financing is listed, it's a property that you don't want. It either has no easement or it has no access or no electric or no potential of 
actually getting to it or, you know, it's too dry to have a, a well, things like that. People who are generally advertising a lot of owner financing are looking to make that money off of the owner financing. So it's not going to be necessarily an owner financing deal that's going to work out in your favor. So just be a little bit wary there. But when we're thinking about all of these, um, you know, these off-grid properties, these properties that have been sitting for a little while, a lot of times if we just start thinking in terms of the WIFM principle, have you guys ever heard of the WIFM principle? I haven't, no. It's what's in it for me. And so it's it's really putting yourself in the place of whoever is um, is on the other side of the negotiations table and saying, gosh, if I was going to write a deal that would actually serve them, what would it look like and how can I make it bo- serve both of us in equal ways? And so, for example, a lot of times, you know, you can talk to them about making sure that they're covered for all their closing costs or making sure that they're covered for whatever they have into into the loan so that they're free to do that or making sure that they actually get it sold and they don't have to do the upkeep on the property anymore. You know, a lot of times if it's been sitting on the market for 360 days or if it's been sitting on the market for a long period of time, those people are getting weary of taking care of that property while they're trying to make that sale. And obviously there's something that makes it a little bit tougher to sell, whether it's how it's listed or, you know, how it's upkept or whatever that might be. And so if we can really look at what that seller needs out of that and really discuss how can I how can I create a situation that's you know useful to both of us. And so I knew that in this case, Peter just needed off island. He needed to be onto the main island so that it was a little bit safer for him health wise. Um, I knew that it had been on market for quite some time and I was able to just talk through my realtor, Gustavo, to to really discuss how can we set this up so that, you know, Peter is taken care of, but so that I can um, really stretch what my cash flow is doing for me. Kelly, can I, can I ask one follow-up question? So what was the purchase price on that Puerto Rico property again? 73000 uh, That's amazing. So just like ballpark, what do you think that property will gross uh, in like one year? Well, what I'll say is that it depends a little bit, um, you know, on whether there's an actual hurricane or not. So we see a pretty big swing. Um, we're currently seeing about fifteen to eighteen hundred dollars uh, per month. Gotcha. So I can't do that math fast enough in my head, but that's like what it's uh, safely uh, it's safely into the one and a half to two percent range. Yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. I will say that that's calculating in a fair bit of time for us to be there. Yeah. And that's amazing, right? Like even like even for a lot of people, and this is what gets a lot of folks into the short-term rental space to begin with, is like even if I can just break even, but if I can have a vacation home and all these amazing markets that I love vacationing to, like, you know, what is the downside? So, I, you know, I, I was just curious on, you know, that, that's, that's, that's fantastic. We're not looking to make a million dollars. You know, we're not, we're not those people who are looking for 300 doors. We're the folks who are, are looking to eventually have a little bit more freedom from our jobs, have uh, a retirement that we're setting up and working towards and, you know, who can create good and reasonable relationships in the community as with sustainable properties. You know, we just, we want to do a little bit better in the world and we want to give people a little bit better option than going to a Hilton. Yeah. And and you mentioned the idea of like kind of building up for retirement and things like that. And and it reminds me of something you mentioned earlier where you, you kind of quickly glossed over this, but it was a pretty impressive statement is that you were living off of only 50% of, of your income. 
that that's a that's a pretty impressive feat. <laughs> so I I think for a lot of folks that are looking to get started as a real estate investor, uh, access to capital is something that hold, holds a lot of folks back. And if you look, you know, obviously not everyone's going to be able to save fifty percent. But like, what would your recommendation be? Like, how were you able to achieve such a high savings rate? And if someone wanted to replicate that, what steps should they take? I mean, I think that the biggest thing is to really think in terms of gamifying your life because. When you look back at, you know, at my entire savings and at what I've done over time, you know, when I started in veterinary medicine, I was making $9.15 an hour. That was post-graduation of a four-year degree, actually a couple of four-year degrees. And for most of my time in veterinary medicine, I was never getting to that six-figure mark. So you have to understand that a lot of that is gamifying. So making sure that because I wanted to travel, that I set up my life so that my travel was paid for um, by, you know, getting my veterinary technician certification in or specialty in emergency and critical care so that I was, you know, able to speak at different conferences and get paid to travel to conferences. Um, recently, not too long ago, found out about travel hacking. That's an amazing, amazing thing. If you guys haven't heard or talked about travel hacking. It is absolutely what has really, you know, set us off the map in terms of being able to work through some of these, um, some of these issues and working through some of the, you know, some of the remodels and things like that. And that's just a matter of um, opening new credit cards and using those opening bonuses to actually afford you a chance at uh, additional travel miles. And I mean, you know, given given the fact that the first year that we travel hacked, we did 19 flights for $370. It's well, well worth it to try and figure it out. Um, just amazing things. But if you, you know, if you Google travel hacking, you will find a plethora of information about that. And then just thinking in terms of how I could bring down my mortgage. So for example, <clears throat> I had multiple different ideas of, about it, but having that bonus space and having a, a long-term rental in that space, um, making sure that actually when I, I found a very large house that I utilized my first floor so that my parents could actually live there to make sure that I didn't have any kind of childcare expenses. And that's especially important because I travel so very much for my day job and, and certainly setting up the rentals. And so just really thinking in terms of how can I create a situation where everything that I do is leveraged as much as I possibly can? You know, can I own an older car? Because an older car means that more of my money can go into investments. Can I set up a situation where instead of bonuses, I ask for a portion of the companies? Or can I, um, you know, figure out how to have side hustles that make sure that I'm able to put a little bit more away that isn't um, directly responsible for me living day to day. I want to say first that I hope my mother is not listening to this episode because she's going to say, Ashley, why don't you do that? Let me move in. I'll take care of the kids all the time. <laughs> You're like, here's this nice ADU in our backyard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kelly, this is, uh, this is great. And kind of along with you are busy. You're, you know, you have a full-time job, you are traveling all the time, whether for work or, uh, just for personal how are you self-managing your properties? And what I really want to know is, are you doing anything unique to provide that Airbnb unique experience to your guests? I think one of the things that we are doing is every time we walk into our rentals, we are thinking in terms of what don't I have to pack, but still have to have? Like, what are the things that are going to ruin my trip? What are the ways that um, 
that we can make sure that you can go through, you know, airport security easier? What are the ways that we can make sure that when you get to the beach, you have a way to wash off your feet? Like the little things. It cost me absolutely nothing to fill a couple of one gallon jugs in the back of our truck rental to allow people to wash off their feet at the beach. There's no place to wash off your feet. Um, it cost me very, very little to provide a couple of beach chairs and a couple of beach towels so that you don't have to worry about whether there's comfort, you know, at, at a place that's so pristine and beautiful. And on Vieques, it's incredibly hard to, um, they just, they sell out really quickly for, for car rentals, truck rentals, things like that. So we actually provide, um, for an extra fee, a truck rental that you can, that you can utilize that, kind of take some of the worry out of that as well. And it's just all about creating that situation where, you know, where the pains of vacation don't rear their ugly heads. Um, where vacation is, you know, is simplified to the point where all of the negatives are taken out of it. And all you need to do is focus on the memories that you're making with the people that you're with. Or the no people that you're with. We just had someone stay um, all by her lonesome for five days. She said it was the most amazing thing ever and that it was just a perfect stay. So come and be alone. Come and bring your friends. Come and uh, come and enjoy it. Come and bring your dog. We are dog friendly. So we have an, a fair number of people who bring their dogs. And frankly, if you bring your dog, you're expected to send me a picture. There is not a negotiable in that. And so just trying to make sure that you know, that when we're talking to somebody who has a dog, you don't have to figure out where that dog is going to be or who's going to watch it or, you know, how to make all that work. Um, trying to make it all very, very easy. And then making sure that all of that is automated as well. And so we make sure that, you know, we have a cleaner checklist that has all of those items in it. Those things are ready to go for you. Um, we have amazing caretaker, Odie and Isabel. They, you know, they come in and they just, they make sure that the truck is clean and they make sure that everything is ready for you. They make sure that the water jug in the fridge is full. Like who does that? They, uh, they're just incredible people. And we, we hire them because of what care they put into it, how much, how much they care about what they're providing. And then we make sure that in terms of everything else, you know, that everything is easy as we possibly can. So the, the welcome message is an automated message. And in that welcome message, it tells you it has a link to a turn by turn video to get to the house because there's no street signs in Vieques. We're working on that, but there's no street signs in Vieques. And it has a Google pin so that you can, you know, set your GPS. And it has um, a situation where we've done those enough times and we've used that Google pin enough that we know that, hey, at this point, it's going to tell you to go right. But please don't do that because you will end up in a cow field. Um, and we try and make sure that all of those things are in our automation so that people don't have to worry about things like that. Kelly, I loved how you called them your caretakers, the caretakers of the properties that like stood right out to me. It's not, oh, my maintenance guy, my cleaner. This is the caretakers of the property. And I, so now I'm thinking about that 80 acre property that you mentioned in the beginning. I want to hear more about that. And are they the caretakers for that property or was this another one you were referencing? So they are caretakers for our Viacus property. Okay. Um, we don't have caretakers for Ladysmith yet because we just purchased. Um, we're currently putting a driveway in and we are trying to train some beavers that they don't really want to create a pond in the middle of the, the land. So those are our big projects. 
we we talked about you know even before we started recording how many things we have in common. I have a beaver problem too. <laughs> I have so many beavers. They've got they've turned two ponds into four ponds, or well, three ponds in like a swamp. So please share with me what can I do to get rid of them. <laughs> Well, live trapping is our, our current route. Yeah. And we were thinking that they would do no harm up in Alaska. So we might <laughs> we might cross those beavers across state line. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we, we it's not trapping season here. So we have to wait it out for that at least. But yeah. So what I'll tell you, though, is that if you apply for a nuisance license, you can trap them anytime. Okay. I'll look into we that. We do have... So thankfully, in the veterinary community, we do have um, some good connections to some wildlife rehab and to, um, yes, so there have been discussions. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You let me know and we'll offline connect on what we can do with your beavers. Kelly, I'm, I'm curious though. So like, what what are the plans for for the 80 acres? I know you mentioned that you guys are refurbishing a bus. Like, what what else are you are you all planning to do with, with all that land? So what we're envisioning is we're envisioning actually like tiny pods for different places to stay with a with a central shower area. You know, because you know, Mama don't play that way in terms of sleeping on the ground and mosquitoes and not showering. Like I just I needed a out in the woods experience that was not going to, you know, give me hives before I even got there. And so <clears throat> thinking in terms of these little pods, uh, we're creating some decking and then putting some bell tents in a few of them. We're um, using some vintage trailers for a few of them. And then um, I haven't I haven't gotten Steve completely signed on to this, but I really want an A-frame over a river. And we um, have made a connection with someone who does amazing tree houses. In fact, wrote a couple books on tree houses, Derek Didrickson. So my hope is that he uh, he will be able to come help me build a tree house as well. I envision one that opens on one side to the sunrise and one side to the sunset and then closes back up when you need it to. So, um, so we'll see. Lots of big plans. Do you know what the ballpark pricing is on a tree house at all? I mean, I'm sure it varies a ton, but just I will I will say that his ballpark is pretty close to what my ballpark can be. Um, but you know, I I know that some folks go from all the way from thirty thousand dollars to a hundred thousand dollars, and um, I think that he very much runs in line with what we like to do, which is re- reusing and recycling and making sure that we um, you know pay homage and and try to to keep things as eco-friendly as possible. So uh, my hope is that we can keep it towards that, you know, $30,000 mark so that we can make sure that, um, you know, make sure that it's both doing well in terms of, uh, of what it is, but also doing well in terms of allowing us to get it done for a reasonable price point. And when you turn this into operation, are you going to run it off of Airbnb? Are you going to kind of do your own platform? What will that look like? So we do utilize Airbnb. We utilize um, a few different platforms all connected through our our backend booking site. However, uh, predominantly we try to get most folks to actually look at and book from our website. I think that you get the most information. It's certainly the least expensive for our guests. It's um, you know certainly the most profit for us. And I just I worry always 
about sending someone to real estate that's not my own, right? And so Facebook is not my own, you know, Airbnb is not my own. Sending someone outside of what I have control of really makes me very nervous. So I, I try very hard to make sure that as much as possible, I'm guiding everyone back to us. To that end, you know, I ask for um, pre-booking emails. I ask for emails at booking. Um, I just try and make sure that whatever I can do in order to capture that guest information or that potential guest information or, you know, early sign up guests too. you know, we'll take uh, we'll take some early sign up guests prior to the property even being available so that we can really build that database and send them back to our website for all of their information and to book. And that way I have a lot more control and I also um, am just able to, to make sure that I can get repeat guests without losing them to the Airbnb nothingness. Yeah, Kelly, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned the, uh, the direct booking piece because we actually just like got our direct booking website built out. So we're about to launch ours here shortly as well. And like, just if you guys are looking for a direct booking website, I, I had mine done by a guy named Mark Simpson. He's based in the UK. I think his Instagram handle is Boostly UK. Anyway, he did a phenomenal job with our, our direct booking website, but it's Boostly UK, Mark Simpson. Um, well, what's your, what's your, the URL for your, your, uh, direct booking website, Kelly? Get that. A, a so ours is www.cronenscastles.com. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. And that is, um, that's GoDaddy and a little elbow grease, actually. And then our back end site that we use is Hostfully currently. Okay. Yeah. Well, one, one other follow up question before, before we move off this 80 acres. So how, how are you planning to finance all of the, the projects that you want for, for this land? Like for the buses, you just buy the bus cash and are you renovating with cash for the, the tree houses that cash for that too? Or like, what's the, what's the game plan? So owner financing is the best thing on this planet. Um, and what I'll say is that we were able to get owner financing on that at a pretty low rate and a long run time. And um, so we got those 80 acres for $90,000 on owner financing. And uh, we're able to keep a lot of our cash free in order to utilize it for, um, for the improvements. And so I did a HELOC to actually pay for or, or to free up some cash for some of the individual, um, you know, the vintage trailers and the, the dome tents are incredibly cheap anyways. They're only, you know, four or $5,000 a piece. And so it's not, you know, it's not a lot of outlay and then a lot of it's elbow grease. What, one last question. So, so Lady Smith, Wisconsin, what was it that drew you to that market? Well, what I'll tell you is that every project up until now has been me. Every single one of them has been a place that I've loved or I wanted to go or I wanted an excuse to go back to. And Ladysmith is actually, come to find out, um, we knew this a little bit about my partners, um, about his family. His family is all from Ladysmith. We had an incredible summer vacation up in Ladysmith when we first met. And um, what I'll say is that we found out that my family is from Ladysmith as well originally. And so... It was more of a situation where we knew we had to find some parking for the bus. We knew that um, we eventually wanted some acreage somewhere. We had all of these plans in terms of, gosh, it'd be nice to have some glamping experiences. Where should we do that? We did try to do that in New Mexico, but unfortunately found out that that had a dirty title. So we weren't able to do that one. And so um, when this came up in Ladysmith, we were... Uh, pretty quick to jump on it and get that situated. And that was really um, more of Steve's baby because I've had all of the fun so far. 
Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal Do Not Call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com bp. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9 to 5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. 
In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. So Kelly, is your kind of plan is maybe in, you know, five, 10 years to go and take off the glamping tents, take off the bus and build your dream home on this 80 acres that's going to be paid off from people renting it for the past several years? You know, I, I would say yes in a heartbeat because it's beautiful up there and it's incredible. But I think that there's something to be said for the, the ability to travel around. And that's really what has driven us. You know, the reason that we want places in different places is to have an excuse to to change up when it's too hot in Wisconsin or to change up when it's too cold in Alaska or, you know, to really to really chase the experience at the experiential like best time for whatever we want to do. And, and granted there are people who want to be in Alaska in the middle of winter time, you know, they want a sled dog and they want to see the lights and that's cool. And maybe we'll want to do that. Um, you know, come, come winter as well. But I think that the freedom to be wherever we want at whatever time we want is why we bought the bus in the first place. And so that is, that's the end goal is to not go bigger or not to go better just to, downsize and move around at, at our will. And Izzy wants to, uh, Izzy has her own plans. She intends on going to France for free college through the Delft test because she's in a French immersion program. And so at that point, we'll need to be traveling around France a little bit while she's um, going to college for free and using her college money to buy a house in France that will be paid off by multiple renters there too. That's amazing. And I love that she's already excited uh, about that plan, too. Does she have any little jobs or tasks that she's in charge of to kind of help assist with running your portfolio? You know, she is an incredible marketer, actually. And she has been dabbling a little bit and making some of the videos. They tend to be a little bit more neon and flashy than what I usually do. But we've utilized them and uh, and she's had an awful lot of fun doing it. And then when we're on property, she's renovating with the rest of us. So she will paint, she will, she will hammer, she will nail, she does epoxy with me, you name it. That's awesome. That's great. Okay. So Kelly, was there any jumping into real estate investing? Did you have any, you know, kind of expectations set that you realized were not reality? And how did that kind of affect your investing going forward? You know, the biggest expectation reset that I had was just the idea of leaping before you look, because honestly, I could get stuck in analysis for a million years. And I, I think that I was stuck in the idea that I had to have a ton in order to get started, that I had to have a safety net, that I had to have a bunch of money to buy a better property or no one would want to come rent from me. And the truth is, is that People are as happy to come stay in a 250 square foot tiny home with a cowboy hot tub and an outdoor kitchen as they are to stay in a five story McMansion on the side of a mountain. Like it's just you can't judge for someone else what they're going to want to do and what kind of experience that they want. So you have to create an experience that you would want and then market it to the people like you. Love that approach. Love that approach, Kelly. Yeah. I mean, I think um, an- another way that we kind of look at like, okay, what should we offer in this market is by seeing what's already what's already working, you know? And it's like, yeah, sometimes it is going to be that luxury, say, but to your point, like a lot of our properties are 391 square feet and those are some of our best performing properties, right? And it's like, everyone's going to have a different 
um, I don't know, I guess like level of expectation and desire depending on what, what market they're in and what they're into. So I love, 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 love that advice. So on that note, uh, Kelly, I want to continue to pick your brain, but I'm going to take us to our rookie request line. Uh, that way our guests or our listeners can kind of uh, pick your brain as well. So for those of you that are listening, if you want your question potentially answered on the podcast, you can give us a call at 8885-ROOKIE and we might play your question. So Kelly, are you ready for the request line question? Let's do it. All right. So today's question is from Charlotte, who is from Charlotte, North Carolina. And her question is, I have an Airbnb that is a two bedroom, one bath, and I'm profiting about $1,700 per month. I know there are so many variables when analyzing a deal for short term rentals, but I was wondering, does the profit really exponentially grow if you have big properties to rent? It's like a three bedroom or a four bedroom, but in a similar market. Or are the expenses just eating up the extra profit that you're making? Thanks so much. So what are your thoughts on that, uh, Kelly? Would you say that there's maybe any value in going bigger or is, is just staying small the, the right way to go? So it really depends on the rental market because honestly, going bigger in some places is fairly inexpensive where going bigger in other places, say going bigger in California, it can be a deal breaker because of the fact that going from a two bedroom casita to you know a four bedroom giant house in California absolutely breaks the bank. But when you think about going bigger in other places, for example, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, going bigger and going into one of those larger historical homes that can potentially sleep a lot of people can drive up your, your ability to rent significantly. I know a lot of families um, who would be very open to renting a, a much um, higher number of beds and heads uh, type of property. And those don't necessarily cost you much more because a lot of times you're actually moving into houses that are potentially a little bit more depressed in terms of overall um, price point. You know, certainly when we're talking about any kind of duplex in the city, you know, those duplexes tend to actually be significantly less expensive than single family homes in most areas. And so it really depends a lot on the deal itself. And so I would very much consider looking at the deal by deal individually, as opposed to really thinking in terms of a blanket strategy one way or another when you're looking at a, um, a rental deal. Kelly, that's a that's a fantastic answer, and and we've seen the same thing in our markets as well. Like when we first started investing in the Smoky Mountains, we identified that four and five bedrooms had the best return because if at the time, if you look at their prices relative to their gross revenue, that was where you got the best return. Now things have shifted in that market. I don't, I don't think that four and five bedrooms are necessarily the best play, but in Joshua Tree, we've noticed that our, our smallest houses so far have performed really well in terms of return. So every market is going to have different price points and varying uh, gross revenue numbers. So Charlotte, to answer your question and to piggyback on what Kelly said, I think you really have to take it on a market by market basis to kind of identify what that sweet spot is. One more point to that is definitely look at the occupancy rates, because if you have too large of a house, sometimes if that's unrentable because somebody doesn't need the space or doesn't need that larger number of people staying, sometimes that can actually drive down your overall profit as well. Kelly, I'm going to take us to our rookie exam. Uh, and this is the most, I know you did a bunch of schooling, got a bunch of degrees, but this is going to be harder than anything for veterinary school. <laughs> but uh, question one, one, what is one actionable thing rookies should do after listening to this episode? I think explore some things that you wouldn't normally look at. So be a little bit open be a little bit open in terms of where you're looking, be a little bit open as to the type of properties that you're looking at. Look at a property that you just don't know how you even get there. 
just once and think about whether you could create a situation where that's actually an experience. Hey, you have a property that's on an island off an island and you have no boat. Like, could you make this something that someone would actually pay extra money to try and get to? All right. Question number two, what's one software system or app that you use in your business? So I think probably the biggest one that I use is Realtor.com. And I use that app kind of prodigiously. But I guess to give a little bit of, um, you know, just a, a little bit of love to it, I use the Facebook meta app like nobody's business. And, you know, I, I schedule out all of my posting so that I can really leverage my social media. And I use my social media to actually drive information setting for the house, you know, just expectation setting, making sure that people know that Puerto Rico is not quiet, making sure that Alaska is not the cheapest place to fly to, making sure that they know some of the information so that when they're going there, you know, eyes wide open. Can you like explain to me a little bit more what you just said? What, like, what is the Facebook <laughs> made app? Like, I have no idea. And how are you, I guess, is it just like you have your, um, your page, uh, like a Facebook page that you're going and sharing about the properties you have? Yep. So Facebook Meta is actually the backend business app that goes with Facebook and Instagram. And it allows you to post to both um, as long as you have an applicable page on each. And it allows you to time all your posts so that once a month you can go in and you can set up all your posts for an entire month and you don't have to think about it again or um, it'll allow you to tag things, to hashtag things. It'll allow you to, um, you know, turn off things that are potentially something called post stomping, where they're coming out with new information, but you have something that's doing really well with your, your Facebook groups. And it's just a way of making sure that you're able to grow your social media and you're able to leverage that social media. So you're not just growing it for no good reason. You're growing it so that you can control the story about your rental property. Very interesting. Cool. Okay. And our last question is, where do you plan on being in five years? In a bus. (laughs) But where? That's a tough one. So I'm not sure where. I I do think that in five years, we'll probably be in France um, hanging out with my kiddo. But otherwise, you know, just not quite sure where. But I will tell you that um, it'll be something interesting, someplace extraordinary, and we will be watching the sunrise. And you're welcome to come join us. Yeah. What do you see for your goals, like set for yourself? Do you see like maybe, you know, you've acquired three more properties or anything like that? So I think probably more than that, because I tend to get a little bit antsy as soon as we get one situated. Um, And so I think that, you know, organically, we're going to grow probably a little bit more than that, just because I, I enjoy adding to adding to what I can offer people and adding to, um, you know, some of the things that I can offer to our family as well. And so I I think that we're probably going to have quite a few more than that. But again, making sure that we grow intentionally. So making sure that we're, you know, doing enough to make each property individual, unique and extraordinary each and every time that we go from one to the next, making sure that we're developing, you know, local connections like our like us paddleboard tourers and uh, Crystal Clear Vieques, who does, you know, amazing snorkeling and, um, you know, uh, Cologne horseback riding on the beaches and just making sure that we're able to bring everyone up with us uh, and, and continue our intentional journey. 
Yeah, we appreciate that. Kelly, I'm going to take us to our rookie rock star before we wrap things up here. So if you would like to be highlighted as a rookie rock star, uh, get active in the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group. It is one of the, the most active, the most engaged real estate investing Facebook groups out there for new investors. Get active in the Bigger Pockets forums, or you can slide into mine and Ashley's DMs. But today's rookie rock star is Luke Nelson. And Luke says, my wife, Katie, and I are excited to be live with our second short-term rental uh, in the Smoky Mountains area. They said they're just a few minutes from the Smoky Mountains National Park. Uh, Luke says this property needed extensive remodeling and exterior work. A two-week renovation project quickly escalated into a six-week roller coaster. Challenges ranged from bad contractors that we fired mid-job to a septic tank that was buried under a concrete slab, but we got through it and our calendars are starting to fill up. So Luke, congratulations to both you and Katie. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us and recording with us today. Can you let everyone know where they can find out some more information about you and reach out to you? So you can find us on Facebook at In a Nutshell Alaska, at Elevated Solitude Utah, at Vieques Sea House, and at Cronin's Castles, or you can find us on Instagram at Cronin's Castles. You can find us on the web at www.cronanscastles.com. You can find me on LinkedIn at Kelly Lynn Cronin. And uh, I love connecting. So if you have any questions or need anything or just need somebody to poke you in the butt and get you going, like you let me know. I'd be happy to. Well, thank you, Kelly. Uh, That's awesome. I'm Ashley at Wealth from Rentals and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And we'll be back on Saturday with a rookie reply. We'll see you guys next time. Getting started in real estate can be daunting. There's so much to know, obstacles to overcome, lessons to learn, and risks to avoid. It can all be so overwhelming. If you're feeling motivated to invest, but too overwhelmed to take action, here's some advice. Take it one step at a time. And here's some good news for you. The Rookie Bootcamp is starting on May 20th, and Tyler and Ashley will be guiding you through each and every step until you're the proud, confident owner of your first investment property. Through eight action-packed weeks, they'll guide you step-by-step through those first questions, decisions, and obstacles that every beginner investor must overcome. So if you're serious about becoming an investor this year, head to biggerpockets.com step and join us in the Rookie Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.